You are in Chesterwork. It is 12.05 p.m. on Tirdas the 24th at Morningstar. In the eyes of the Law of Daggerfall, you are undependable, and you are healthy. Hello everyone, and welcome to the Good Grief Podcast, an eclectic walking tour of the Elder Scrolls II Daggerfall. It is about the journey and not the destination, and we are your humble tour guides. I'm Daisy. And I'm Jude. Alright, and when we last left off, I remembered I, I gave myself a little laundry list of things to do. Uh, we went, we found a bank. We found a bank. Uh, we found a pawn shop. That's right, I wanted to buy a wagon. That's what I wanted so I could have, carry more things without having to go to the pawn shops that often. Um, and I also wanted to continue my pickpocketing spree so I can get a letter from the Thieves Guild saying, Hey, join the Thieves Guild. Hey, kid, you want to be in the Thieves Guild? Hey, hey, kid, you want to do crime? It's like that thing how, like, in the 80s and 90s, every, like, every, like, child safety story movie was like, I'm gonna run away to the circus, and they run off to the circus and everything sucks. Uh Why was that such a thing? I don't know. I was running away to the circus, like, because like I guess the circus is is is, like fun if you're a kid, like, to go to, and so you think, oh, that would be fun to do, also, and also they won't turn me away ever, I guess, because the circus is just like the (laughs) where all the misfits go. It's where all the misfits go. It's like they'll I'll fit in there. We are the weirdos, Mister. I don't know. There's probably some history to that. Anyways, um. What you, what you drinking? I'm drinking red berry, sorry, <clears throat> Sour Patch Red Berry Flavored Ghost. It's a lot of words. Now, you may be thinking, what is re- what berry is red berry? And to that an- I answer, yes. Yep. It's just, one, it's one of those, one of those kind of berries, you know? It's, it, it tastes like a red Sour Patch Kid, basically. Nice. That wouldn't be bad. I don't it's know. not I'm bad. Not, I'm not big on, like, sour drinks, usually, except for, like, whiskey sours. Whiskey sours. Alright, so we found a general store. These places usually sell carts and horses. I don't know. Is having a horse is, is having a horse cheating? As far as like walking everywhere? I think it, I feel like it might be. I feel like it is. Didn't because I feel like I've asked, like, why don't we have a horse? And you were like, Well that would be cheating because then we wouldn't be walking and I was like, Couldn't we just have one as a pet? And you were like, No. <laughs> and I oh, you was can, like, you can like, <laughs> you can buy a horse off of this shelf right here. Mm-hmm. Oh, I th- actually, I think I might have. Hang on, I might have clicked on it by accident. Hang on. So I think I asked the audience no. to be like, should we get a horse as a pet? And no one responded to that question, which is fine. Okay. Yeah. No. Uh, we. I did not buy the horse by accident, thankfully. Okay. So uh, let's buy this cart on purpose. Yes, we go. I can't steal the cart. But Daisy, <laughs> we're putting the cart before the horse. It's a hand cart. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I bargained it down to one hundred and fifty-four gold pieces, which is slightly more than it's worth. So I haven't. So I've been. I've been cheated slightly, but mm-hmm. only slightly. And I can manage that. <clears throat> for context, for those at home, I've been snowed in for the past day and a half because of a blizzard. That's not really a blizzard. Um, and this is only like a like a week and a half after getting out of quarantine, so I'm going insane. Right. So how is it not really a blizzard? It snowed a bit last night, and it's like it sucks, but now it's like mostly melting. 
And it was supposed to snow all through today into tomorrow. Oh, so the blizzard has already happened then? I think so. Hmm. I think it may have missed us. And now I'm mad because I was supposed to do a French drag show tonight. Mm -hmm. Interaction is now in steel mode. What are you drinking? I'm drinking, I have a uh, whiskey and coke and also some water. Whiskey and coke. It came pre-mixed together in a can. Oh, goodness. <laughs> and I opened it last night. Nope, it was the night before last night, and I forgot about it. And now it's very flat, but it's on ice, so... Baristas and, um... What's the... Baristas, like, is that the feminine form? Is that a feminine form? What's the male form? Bartender uh, is bartender? the gender-neutral form, and barista is coffee. Barista is coffee drinks. Mixologists. There we go. That's the word I was looking okay. for. Mixologists, hide your ears. Also, don't kill me for calling you baristas. <laughs> Barista. Uh -huh. You know, the, they pass they pass the bar for that. Because they're baristas. Uh-huh, uh-huh. The yeah. bar is like... I th that's the best barristers, isn't it? Yeah, I was making uh -huh. a funny because you pronounced because it Because I said it weird. silly. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's not my. That's not my. <laughs> that's not my industry, is it? This is. That's you not work my wheelhouse. In food and service. I have never drank a cup of coffee in my entire goddamn life. <laughs> wow, we're getting really defensive here on Good Grief. This is what happens when we record later into the afternoon. <laughs> we're like ready. We're like ready to fight. We're we're not exhausted yet anyway not yet all right i've successfully managed to pilfer some worthless pebbles why did you have that in your skirt ma'am um i listen sometimes you see a cool rock oh i got five gold pieces nice you see a cool rock and you just gotta kind of stash it somewhere and when you're a lady mm -hmm. <laughs> uh-huh you know the the fashion industry of skyrim is really quite misogynist for not Daggerfall. The game's called giving... Daggerfall. It's part of, it's all <laughs> part of the same thing. Yeah, so it's all, it's all Skyrim is what It's all the same. It's, it's all the, Skyrim all the right, time. Right, the, the entirety of Canada is, uh, Toronto, anyway. It's Skyrim <laughs> all the way down, baby. I'm climbing over the walls. Whoops, I fell. Uh, <laughs> I, it happened. No, it's not like I, it's not like I stopped pushing a button, like I just failed my check. I, yeah, right. I just think it's funny. Alright, I'm not good at climbing. Where's the guards? They're like, they should be here any second. <laughs> they were chasing me. Okay, let me find the, let me find the, the gate out so I can just leave. Because I would like to go to, I would like to find a new town where the guards are not hunting me. Mm -hmm. That would be ideal. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Um, okay, I can't remember who goes first this week. I think uh, it's me, because okay. last time, what did we talk about last time? Uh, we talked about, um... American grill culture and right. drag pageantry. Yes. Yeah, you were second, so yeah. Yeah, so I go first. Um, so I don't know how long this subject is going to take us to get through, but mm -hmm. it's something that I have been thinking about. Um, are you familiar with the Triassic Cuddle? Or the Triassic Cuddle? The Triassic Cuddle. No, but if I can use some some uh, some other knowledge I have, I'm going to assume that this is a cuttlefish-like thing that was alive during the Triassic period uh, of history. Of well, prehistory. That is a very educated guess, but it's actually not. It's cuddle like cuddling, 
like a triassic cuddle yes like cuddle okay so now it's a sex position no oh no it's not that (laughs) listen i get raunchy on here but that's not okay i'm gonna i'm gonna dm this to you okay all right oh hang on why oh is it it's like an image yeah there is there is an image to accompany this that we can post somewhere so, okay, so it is a fossil. It's a fossil. Uh-huh. You were like, right. you were not far, like you made a very educated guess. So right. um, this is mostly going to reference a uh, PBS video that I watched earlier today. And also this article by National Geographic. Um, however, they have hidden half of theirs behind a paywall. So Lovely. it's actually um, the one that's been reposted to tumblr.com on SciGuys. <laughs> uh scyguy.tumblr.com's blog um so the article title is a triassic cuddle set in stone in 1975 near the base of south africa's olivier showick pass paleontologist james kitching discovered the final resting place of a small shuffling mammal that had perished some 250 million years before Little more than a piece of skull was poking out of the stone, but the shape and composition of the surrounding rock suggested that the poor creature had died in a burrow and that there might be more inside. Sure enough, when Kitchen cracked open the rock, the little lair was pocked by even more bones. So off it went to the collection of Johannesburg's Evolutionary Studies Institute of the University of Witwatersrand. Witwatersrand. Uh Witwatersrand. Hmm. Words. Kitching had no idea that he had found a pair of unusual Triassic bedfellows. So, uh, oh, the, it's a specific fossil. Okay. Yes, like the Triassic cuddle is referencing these these two guys and their position that they're currently in. Okay, so it's it's like the it's like the guys who look like they were like huddled together in Pompeii. Yeah, like yeah, it's okay. This is, but I'm talking about this specifically. So right, right, these right, right. two guys specifically, but yeah, it's. Just the the title that was kind of given to this this pair of prehistoric creatures and the position that they're in because it's it's kind of it's kind of weird. Um, so the part that uh, Kitching first found was a piece of Thrinaxodon, um, which was a small squat proto mammal um, that was like a burrowing kind of creature. Um, whether or not Thrinaxodon made their own dens is still a mystery, but their remains, fossilized in repose, hint that they escaped the blistering heat of the dry season by snoozing underground. Um, but, like this, as you can see from the picture, uh, Thrinaxodon was not alone in in his little in his little cave. Um, the call was coming from inside the house, anyway. <laughs> okay. Um... So the other guy is a rare salamander-like amphibian named Brumastega, um, spelt like broom, I-S-T-E-G-A. Uh, no one had any idea that the bonus fossil was there until University of the Witwatersrand paleontologist Vincent Fernandez and colleagues had the contents of the burrow scanned at the European Synchrotron radiation facility in the France. Synchrotron. <laughs> the Synchrotron. Uh, presented in the scan's digital detail published last year, uh, which I guess now would be, I don't know, a while ago. This was re- recent ish. Um, the pair of fossils rest against each other in stunning articulation. Um, 
so there are kind of like that what we kind of know from from looking at it is this was pretty obviously the um the mammal's burrow the the thronaxodon um just because they were kind of they were more known for the like their anatomy suggests that they can and could dig holes whereas like the other guy's like a salamander he can't he can't really do that so there you were saying, like you sorry you saying can and could implies that they are in fact still alive hey listen <laughs> um so there were like several several possibilities that um the the folks in the pbs video outlined uh for like how they got into this position um one was that like the f so these guys were down there and then there were layers of sediment and dirt and like water residue on top of them so it's safe to assume that they like were trapped in there due to a flood but like how did they both end up down there um so option one was like the brumistega just got washed into the hole and you know and that was the end and then they both drowned um but the hole was about it's like just big enough for for the brumistega um that they found so the likelihood of that was actually like pretty low so it's like he so another suggestion was well the thranaxodon had brought the brumistega down there into its den to eat um, but there were no, like, bite marks or trauma on the Brumistega skeleton, except for, like, two small, um, like, a small, like, semi-healed puncture, like, above its eye, and other, like, semi-healed fractures. Like, this was a creature who had <laughs> been through some ago. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and also, like, so it, it didn't seem that it had been killed by, like, by the Thranaxodon. Um, so another option was like, well, maybe the Thranaxodon was just bringing it down there to like save and eat for later. And it's like, that's something that does happen in nature, but not super often. Um, and also just because of the climate of this region and because of the hot seasons, it was pretty unlikely that the Thranaxodon like would, would do that with food because it would either go bad or be taken by other, other creatures. Um, the fourth option was that the Thranaxodon had died in its burrow and that the um, Brumistega had just come down and, like, seeking shelter from the rain or the heat had just, like, curled up next to it because it was dead. Um, however, because of the way that it's positioned, um, it's been hypothesized that the, the Thranaxodon was more than likely sleeping because it's kind of like pressed and like maneuvered in a way that its body was like comfortable in its position and also adjusted to fit the the body and the weight of the brumistega so right. the suggestion is that it it had it wasn't in like rigor mortis or anything it was still alive and like adjusted and allowed for this other creature to be on top of it where was there any trauma on the Thranaxodon's body? No. Hmm. 
So, but what you're trying to, so basically, what everyone wants to think is that these guys were just good pals. <laughs> <laughs> and, and history will say that they were just good friends, that they, mm-hmm. were, that they were roommates. However, like, uh, like being in a comfortable position and was sleeping, both of these animals did die in this position. They both died in that <laughs> position, and they were, like, the Brumastega was, like, ostensibly part of Thranaxodon's, like, diet. Like, it was a carnivorous mammal. And this guy was just meat and a salamander and kind of, like, old and not really mo- not really able to move very quickly. Like, it would have been very easy for it to just kill him. Um, the other thing to keep in mind, though, I think is, I, I don't know if it's been proven, but it's hypothesized that um, Thranaxodon, like, other um mammals and like animals that live in that kind of really hot climate they'll sometimes go underground and not not quite hibernate but like put themselves into a sort of like semi-stasis in order to um retain like retain water and like not overheat so it's possible that it was hibernating and so just like in its in its sleep this other guy came down and joined him and didn't wake him up and then they just died together we have we have been attacked by two centaurs oh no well they're dead now so it's fine well who who I, cares then i did it it was me okay well good job <laughs> um so yeah those are those are the guys what so why why did i pick this topic you might ask um there are a lot of artists on TikTok who like to draw little animations of these two snuggling <laughs> up together uh-huh. to like f- Mitski songs. It's like <laughs> Mitski my songs. baby, my baby, you're my baby, say. And it's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. so I've been really, I've been really emotional. Um, oh, <laughs> so that's why you picked it. Yes, <laughs> because because the theory that I have been listening to two, a lot of Mitski. These two creatures that have been dead for many many years were once friends, and it made you ha- made you sad and also happy. Mostly <sighs> sad. I don't know. Mostly it's sad. It's something. It's something very. It's something very tragic. I think, but it's also like these two creatures that could you know were kind of mortal enemies didn't like die trying to kill each other like they died together peacefully and like and that's and we found them like that you know so thernaxodon is like a like a looks like a freaky little otter kind of yeah kind of fella yeah I'm looking at images of him now mm-hmm I, i'm gonna hmm this is gonna be tricky to relate to todd howard yeah, I am going to say right now. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not a dinosaur. Neither of these things are dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, are there... I know in, in Dragon Age Inquisition, there's a there's a subplot where you help out a paleontologist um, <laughs> like, mm. like digging up dragon bones and learning well, there about are, yeah, stuff. Yeah, pa- paleontologist. Paleontology. Hang on, paleo. No, search for paleo. Paleo does not exist in the entirety of uh, the Elder Scrolls wiki at all. Hmm. 
So, um, hmm. Hmm. What else? What's the, um, let me look at the timeline. What about <laughs> cuddling? Lore. <laughs> um, no. Uh, that would, that, <laughs> there is no cuddling in the Elder Scrolls because... Why is there no cuddling in the Elder Scrolls? Because getting models to, to like, interact with each other without clipping through each other is very hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, hang on. History, uh, Dawn Era. The, the beginning times... Like, what would the Elder Scrolls equivalent be of these creatures? The Probably weird... some kind of Daedra. What's, what is that? Demons. Oh. Uh, there are some demons that look like dinosaurs. So yeah, here's the here's the very thin line. The Triassic period had dinosaurs. Is that right? Uh... Is, is that correct? Yes, mammals were there, but they weren't the top dogs yet. Right, uh, okay. T-Rex is Triassic, I think. Ah. First period of the Mesozoic area. Era. Yeah, t so yeah, T-Rex, uh, Allosaurus, Giganotosaurus, um, Truodons, all the, yeah. Yeah, those are all Triassic. Okay, so they were dinosaurs. There are things that look vaguely like dinosaurs in the Elder Scrolls called clan fears. Clan fears? Yeah, just like the word clan fear. Yes, yeah, go ahead and Google it. That's looks a like really, a sorry. That's a dumb name. It is, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know why they are called that. They're kind of cute. Um, did you ever have like a dinosaur hyperfixation when you were a child? Eh, it didn't last long enough to be hyper. I don't think, but I, you know, I was a I was a kid. I was shown dinosaurs, and they were mm -hmm. big and scary, and they had big teeth, and I was like, yeah, that was pretty cool. When I was in, I think from the ages of like three to seven, I wanted to be a. I wanted to be a paleontologist, and the thing that I would do for show and tell every week was I would bring my toy, uh, my toy dinosaurs, and I would just say all their names for people and tell them, um, t tell them about their like skills and things. But also, okay, so they were, like, are you talking like scientific stuff or like what you named them? And no, I was talking about it? scientific stuff, but also <laughs> okay. like my own personal narratives. Um, Lovely, because my favorite <laughs> dinosaur was the Parasaurolophus. Uh -huh. Which are the herbivores that they kind of look like kangaroos with a ho one horn coming out the back. Yeah, they look kind of like Jar Jar Banks, yeah. Mm -hmm. No. Shut <laughs> up. Shut up. <laughs> shut your... Their faces look like Jar Jar Banks. Shut the fuck up. Anyways. <laughs> um, anyways, that was my favorite dinosaur. And mm -hmm. I had one that was named um, Perry the Parasaurolophus. Oh. Did he have a little fedora and a little theme song? No, this was oh. this was pre Phineas and Ferb, and also it was a she. I had some, you know. Perry, Perry's a. a hmm, I don't know. I think it can be. It's well, uh, Perry isn't a gender name. I don't think. Yeah, well, it doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. <laughs> All right, we are coming into new, new tower, and uh, I think I'm going. Hmm. I'm not quite out. Of, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not quite low on stamina, and I am trying to. I mean, I. I have so much money. Yeah, let's find an inn and take a bed nap. Bed nap. Okay. Bed nap. Um, but let's see. So yeah, that's the that's the relation is that this this apparently happened during the Triassic period. Triassic had dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are kind. There's a thing that looks kind of like a dinosaur in the Elder Scrolls series, but uh, we did it. Some um, of these are some of these are just really tortured, but like that's kind of the, the I just the, yeah the, that's that's kind of like the conceit of this whole yes. podcast. So <laughs> I wanted to talk about dinosaur cuddle. Yeah, well, oh. neither of them are dinosaurs, but okay. Okay, well, <laughs> fuck you.
Okay. I'm going to be right. bleeping out a lot of this episode, it seems. Mm. Okay. But I do point. think it's funny and fun. Uh, room. Okay. I have one room. Ooh, three gold pieces. Nice, cheap. Cool. All right. Uh, bed nap. Cheap like borscht. All right. So, borscht? What? Hello? Cheap you like borscht. Cheap. Okay. Um, we're going to take a quick commercial break. <laughs> it's a saying. <laughs> okay, sure. All right. <laughs> You're going to tell the Ukrainian what's right and wrong. No, no, no. no. You, you go ahead and you, you explain to me that later. <laughs> Fine. After, after the break. Yeah. Uh, okay. So now uh, we, until fully healed, we take our nap. Uh, what time is it actually? It is. Ooh, it's late. We should con- we should sleep through the night because we can't pickpocket people at night because people don't go outside at night. It's the law. Uh, That's very <laughs> weird. Will they arrest right. you for like being? Out? No, 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 no. They just the NPCs just don't go oh, out at night. Okay. Um, Making a little a little jest. Yeah. Uh, so three. Uh, let's go over ten more hours. Just to pass the time. Mm-hmm. All right. Every day I wake up. Anyway. <clears throat> uh-huh. All right. So my topic um, is one that I uh, looked up on Wikipedia. I decided on bef- uh, within the span of this call. <laughs> so like. I feel less bad about how rushed mine was now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't, don't, don't sweat it. This is this is only going to become. <laughs> we're just going to procedurally f- like uh uh more and more phone this podcast in until we're basically just there's no structure whatsoever. Like the... I do think. Listen, I do think it's fun when we're not super structured. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just go... like I like it when we like bounce off each other. It's not necessarily as good when we're like um and there was a uh, and uh yeah. We're finding yeah. our groove. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I say we're pretty in our groove. I have not. I've not had a difficulty figuring out what to say. But anyway, <clears throat> what I'm talking about today mm-hmm. um, is something that uh, the main game I play on my Twitch channel, uh, Hunt Showdown, sort of falls into this category, this genre you might say of fiction, of uh, Southern Gothic. Ooh. The Southern Gothic genre is what we're going to be talking about today, cool. and it is most it is by and large going to be me reading the wikipedia because it has a history that was much deeper than i actually thought yeah it's a um very expansive topic mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so for a definition southern gothic is an artistic subgenre of fiction country music film and television and now video games uh that are heavily influenced by gothic elements and the american south common themes of southern gothic include storytelling of deeply flawed disturbing or eccentric characters who may be involved in hoodoo decayed or derelict settings grotesque situations and other sinister events relating to or stemming from poverty alienation crime or violence mm-hmm. you know and race okay so elements of a gothic treatment of the South were first apparent during the anti and post bellum 19th century. So like, you know, right, right around in and around the civil war mm-hmm. in the grotesques of Henry Clay Lewis and in the de idealized representations of Mark Twain. So Mark Twain, like with the kind of showing that like, Hey, things ain't all great down here in Dixie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that that's sort of like one of the first inspiration, one of the first, uh, examples you could say of Southern Gothic. Right. Uh, I think what's the one, is it Huckleberry Finn? Ah, that's a lot of police. Anyway, no. Uh, Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer is the one where. Hmm. No, I'm thinking. Of, I'm thinking of To Kill a Mockingbird. That's someone else. 
That's Fitzgerald, right? No. Who did? Who did? Who was? I'm not a literary genius myself. <laughs> uh, Harper Lee was. To Harper Lee. Her. Okay. Okay. The genre was consolidated, however, only in the 20th century. When dark romanticism, southern humor, and the new literary naturalism, these are words that I don't know, like, I know what they mean individually, but mm -hmm. I do not know what they mean put together, yeah. um, merged into a new and powerful form of social critique. The thematic material was largely a reflection of the culture existing in the South following the collapse of the Confederacy as a consequence of the Civil War, which left a vacuum in its cultural and religious values. Mm -hmm. The resulting poverty and lingering bitterness over the issue of slavery in the region during Reconstruction exacerbated the racism, excessive violence, and religious extremism endemic to the region. It is true, the KKK was not formed until after the, the Civil War was finished. Mm. Uh, the term Southern Gothic, however, was originally pejorative and dis pejorative, I should say, and dismissive. Ellen Glasgow used the term in this way when she referred to the writings of Erskine Caldwell and William Faulkner. She included the authors in what she called the Southern Gothic School in 1935, stating that their work was filled with aimless violence and fantastic nightmares. It was so negatively viewed at first that Eudora Wetley said, They better not call me that. End quote. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so initially was not considered a... Uh, like a, an interesting genre, just more like it's, it, it was considered to be lowbrow stuff. Mm -hmm. Only appealing to people who like violence. Right. Uh, the Southern Gothic style employs macabre, ironic events to examine the values of the American South. Thus, unlike its parent genre, it uses the Gothic tools not solely for the sake of suspense, but to explore social issues and reveal the cultural character of the American South. Gothic elements often taking place in magic realist context rather than a strictly fantastical one. Warped rural communities replace the sinister plantations of an earlier age. And in the works of leading figures such as William Faulkner, Carson McCullers, and Flannery O'Connor, the representation of the South blossomed into an absurdist critique of modernity as a whole. Mm -hmm. Particularly focuses on the South's history of slavery, racism, fear of the outside world, violence, fixation on the grotesque, and the tension between realistic and supernatural elements. Uh, uh, villains who disguise themselves as innocents or victims are often found in Southern Gothic literature, especially stories by Flannery O'Connor. Southern Gothic literature set out to expose the myth of old antebellum South and its narratives of an idyllic past hidden by social, familial, and racial denials and suppressions. So, you know, uh, so basically, all like starting off to do kind of counteracting things like, say, The Song of the South, released mm -hmm. by Walt Disney Pictures. <laughs> well, and even uh, stuff like... Stuff like Gone, like Gone with the Wind that won, yes. you know, multiple Academy Awards and is still, like, mm -hmm. heralded as this, you know, be-all and end-all of American culture and mm -hmm. that. And people have to, like, really stop and say, you know, no, this kind of portrayal of an idyllic South is always mm -hmm. going to be false. Like, I, mm -hmm. I love this genre also. <laughs> yes. And um, it also focuses a lot on the, like, just the overall poverty and isolation that uh uh southerners feel in general so not only just not only like the racial issues there but even so like this sort of the overall poverty of the south in general mm -hmm. uh, that that compounded outside of the civil war because like while racial relations were not really really fixed that much uh after the civil war after lincoln's assassination and all that yeah um there was a lot like the, most of the impact was uh, that fell on the 
uh, air quotes, middle class of uh, white South America, uh, South America, white Southern United States. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what exacerbated the situation. But they also had their own, like they had their own struggles as well. And a lot of the stuff that you'll see is focused on that. There's like there's a themes of things like deal, like deals with the devil mm-hmm. is a very common thing uh, that happened in Southern Gothic stuff. The uh, the concept of like the crossroads demon or mm-hmm. a cross oh, that that you like you go to the crossroads between the towns. And mm-hmm. there'll be a stranger there who makes a deal with you, et cetera, et cetera. Because um, a large part of, like, the aesthetic is, like, mm-hmm. just the the flatness and the solitude of everything. So it's, like, mm-hmm. you, like, any person in, uh, in, like, a wide open country space is going to be the outsider because they're vastly outnumbered by nothingness. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, yeah, uh, uh, popular, uh, many authors... That you may have heard of have fall, uh, that fall into this category will include already mentioned Harper Lee, William Faulkner, uh, Flannery O'Connor, Michael McDowell. Uh, at Poe is usually work usually described as dark romanticism, but you could argue that uh, particular works of his fall into Southern Gothic. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's from he's from Virginia, which is technically the South. Uh, technically, so, uh huh. Uh, and Rice's works, particularly The Feast of All Saints and The Witching Hour. God. All of, like, Interview with the Vampire. Yes, yeah, her, because, like, so much of it's focused in, like, Louisiana, right? Mm-hmm. Before the creation of America, all throughout to, like, modern times. Yeah. So, uh, because uh, people, uh, ten- I think, love the the concept of, you know, there's I think there's a big romanticism of, like, the South as aesthetics. And, like, mm-hmm. the, the way I think cowboys have been glamorized and, like those like old school Southern bell dresses like that. That's the kind of stuff that I think gets really highlighted. And no one realizes that like when you write a period piece in the South, because you love those aesthetics, you have to address the slavery thing because Mm -hmm. that's kind of do all up in there. So when it comes to vampire stuff, because like Charlie and I have been watching the vampire diaries, which takes place in, in Virginia as well. And they're like, oh yeah, our town with the founding fathers and we're having a founder's day parade and we're, uh-huh, uh-huh, and you know, uh-huh. the council of all the like first families that came here and they're the first families. Yeah. Yes. And you know, no, also, no families were here beforehand. <laughs> and you're all, so you're dealing with like the inherent like racism of that. And like just recently a character was like, yeah, on like this old property of my family's, there's like a, slave rock where they used to chain up the bad slaves and it's like oh okay and that's not really like addressed beyond talking about it not really like they're like no this this is a shameful part of our history but it's still like a place and it's like i I, like yeah i guess you have to address that but then you also have these like centuries old vampires who are like hey you guys lived through the civil war what was that Mm -hmm. like and it's like well some some of us sure were confederate soldiers and some of us you know dodged the draft and some of us were enslaved and it's like wow this is sticky and uncomfortable and that's Mm -hmm. that's kind of that's kind of the point of you know southern gothic literature however i don't know if vampire diaries does the best job of being accountable to uh the risks of that aesthetic yeah there's always there's always even in like relatively good works there's often room for improvement mm-hmm. but so but so but this kind of work that photo that basically takes it head on even then probably doesn't always do it the in the most 
well thought out way per se, but uh, Are you talking about Hunt? No, well, I mean, Hunt doesn't Hunt does not particularly address the issue of slavery head on, mm-hmm. uh, because uh, but it does. All the areas that you go to uh, in Hunt are, for the most part, places that have been for a while now uh, infected with um with with like this disease and whatnot, and it's usually impoverished areas. Um, and so there are there there are the most of the like story air quotes that you get from Hunt Showdown is looking in the like little descriptive text for the different uh, tools and weapons that you can use. Mm-hmm. I have I myself haven't like read through it all the way, so I can't say how much it's, t- it's spoken about. But mm-hmm. for the most, uh, like the, it likes to talk about the horrors that happen in the South, and particularly involved with you know zombies. But mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> um, but you can but you you can play as there, there are a number of characters that are paid DLC that are like very voodoo hoodoo witchcraft themed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one character who's like a gambler who's resurrected from the dead to continue fighting. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, gambling, you know, considered to be one of the greater evils that you can do in southern in Christian Southern America. Mm-hmm. I do. I wonder a bit about how much kind of consultation was done on the character design of like the indigenous American um, characters that you can play and the skins that you can have. Mm-hmm. Because I was I was watching your stream on my TV, and my partner, who's uh, Métis, was like, "Wow, why is this character hunting in a jingle dress? Which is <laughs> a cel- like it's a celebratory piece of regalia that like right. you don't wear that outside of ceremony, basically. Mm-hmm. And that's like it's like hmm, I don't. And like as mm-hmm. as someone who's not indigenous, I'm just I and I haven't done a lot of looking into it either. But I'm curious about. Um, like who was consulted and why, you know, why they made the choices that they did. Because I think it's important to have indigenous representation in horror games, mm-hmm. um, and you usually don't see them except in like the like mystical the noble savage, mi- yeah, or like the mystical shaman kind of tropes. So seeing mm-hmm. them as like playable characters who aren't aren't always reduced to like really stereotypical aesthetics is is kind of nice but again mm-hmm. i'm not indigenous and i don't know what they've kind of looked right. into okay so i'm, I'm going to start from the most recent and go back to the least least recent mm-hmm. i'm not going to do the whole thing just stop me when i have encountered a film that you have seen/heard of okay we have the devil all the time 2020 i've heard of it have not seen it the peanut butter falcon no. 2019 mudbound 2017 no. the beguiled heard of it but not uh, sorry nocturnal animals no cold in july no jezebel heard of it stoker heard of it it's called there's a movie called joe <laughs> uh, nope <laughs> uh beautiful creatures oh uh I, i've actually seen that one Oh, there you go. That's the that's the first that's the most recent Southern Gothic film in this list that you've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, also listed in this list, we have um, fried green tomatoes. We have I love uh, fried green tomatoes. We have big fish. Oh, brother, where art thou? Is the is the most obvious choice. Mm-hmm. Oh, brother, where art thou? Has like many of the things talked about, so, like racial relations, uh, crime and violence, mm-hmm. and 
been making deals with the devil and all that good stuff. Is um, Pumpkinhead on that list at all? Yes, Pumpkinhead is in the list. That is um, pro- that's like in my top ten favorite scary movies, but it's such a like good example of Southern Texas Gothic Chainsaw Massacre is yeah. another. Yeah, that tracks. Uh, and then we have a, a streetcar named Desire. Yeah. Technically Southern Gothic. Definitely. <laughs> oh my god. Mm-hmm. I would say The Glass Menagerie would also qualify. Like, Tennessee Williams' works are, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even if they're not, like, uh, surface-level dark, because they're very, like, I don't know, there's a lot of people putting on airs and graces, and there's a lot of just, like, you know, you, it's it's sometimes hard to pin down what's actually going on, but they're, like, all plays about, like, latent homosexuality and alcoholism and misogyny. Mm-hmm. It's like, Wow. And then there are TV shows like The Originals, which is a more focused on the Southern, like, in the Deep South part, uh, a spinoff of The Vampire Diaries. Yep, that's about, I think, the, like, the OGs, like, back in the day, day. That's the, the first the first three vampires and what they're up to now, basically. Uh, and then there's uh, seasons one and three of True Detective, specifically, apparently. Don't know what that is. Uh, Cloak, Cloak and Dagger. These are just TV shows. Yeah. Cloak and Dagger. Uh, American Horror Story Coven. I have not. I've not seen any American Horror Story. Mm. Uh, uh, True Ryan Blood. That's a... so uh, currently, there is one running called Lovecraft County. Co- Lovecraft Country. I've heard of that, and I've heard kind of mixed opinions mm-hmm. on it. And then, of course, there's the thing that sort of brought me to it, which is the uh, the musical genre Gothic Country, mm-hmm. which is basically just what I play. Well, I, when I play Hunt, yeah, when, basically when between menus, often the songs often examine poverty, criminal behavior, religious imagery, death, ghosts, family, lost love, alcohol, murder, the devil, and betrayal. Nice. Why is slavery? Why is racial issues not in here? Because like that's that's got to be in here. <laughs> Uh, apparently, other terms for Gothic country is Gothic Americana, Southern Gothic, the Denver Sound, or just Dark Country. Lots of steel guitars. Nice. Lots of steel guitars. I've shown <laughs> you, I think, a couple songs by the Crane Wives. They're kind of mm-hmm. bluegrass Gothic, but their song "Tongues and Teeth" is like one of my like go-to Southern Gothic vibes moments. Mm-hmm. The main uh, main artists that I listen to that are Southern Gothic include the the Brothers Bright, um, Brother Deej, the Silent Comedy, Late Johnny Cash. Late Johnny Cash, you yeah. could definitely say is just Southern Gothic. Yeah. Um, Delta Ray, The Devil Makes Three. Oh, I love Delta Ray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a couple. There's a couple of Hosier songs. There's a, there's a few Hosier songs oh, yeah. to give off Southern oh, Gothic. Oh, for sure. Songs. In the woods somewhere, especially. Do you think that Mumford and Sons? No, uh, Mumford and sure? Sons is Mumford and Sons is Milk Toast Americana. All right, it's not <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right then. It's a related genre, but it's not gothic enough. Uh huh. DJ Mumford and all of his sons can keep the hell out of out of my face. Out of my face. <laughs> I do play a Mumford and Sons son on a Mumford and Sons song. There we go. Mm-hmm. On occasion, uh, while playing Hunt because they like they go hard or whatnot. But I'm not gonna pretend that they got as much as much oomph to them as like, the devil went down to Georgia. Well, yeah, but nothing does. <laughs> In any event, uh, so we got uh really beat up by the cops. So we made out of town. Uh, I'm going to. St- very, very quickly. Uh, see if I can at least rest until I'm healed. I'm gonna take. I'm taking a dirt nap, 
And I'm healed. It's the middle of the night now, but uh, I did sleep. I cannot travel with enemies nearby. Ah! Oh, no. <laughs> Alright, we can't fight that. Oh, no. I don't think. Well, you know, I did just save. Let's try again. Well, do it. Let's, let's see if we can kill the werewolf with this dagger. Werewolves are pretty tough. And also, I think I can be turned into a werewolf. That might hey, be Hey, I fun. killed it. I killed it. Well, it did hit me once, so I might have contracted the werewolf disease. We'll find out. Well, I'm just. We'll I'm see. gonna. <laughs> but uh, so, um, thank you for joining us. If you are watching live, or if you are watching the VOD, we have, or listening to us on Anchor.fm or on Spotify, we appreciate you. Leave a leave a review on your podcast uh, platform of choice that we are currently on. Um, always appreciated. Even if the review is blank and just says five stars, it helps. Mm -hmm. That does help. If you want to catch uh, us live, we I stream the I we I stream on my Twitch channel this uh, podcast live uh, on Thursdays. Uh, Twitch.tv slash kill. That's me. And then if you want to watch Jude do drag, we'll not talk about it, just you know do fun do fun TikTok stuff. stuff. Yeah, you can follow you can follow him on TikTok at uh, Miss uh, at Miss Gender, mm -hmm. or you can follow him on Instagram at Miss Gender underscore WPG. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're coming upon another town. Where are we coming? Oh, wait. This is Chester work again. We just go in I a circle. I think we might be one. We, yeah, uh, well, we went back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I might I, I might be wanted here still. I don't think the guards will still be aggroed on me, but we'll find out. Hmm. Never know. Uh, but yeah. So yeah, we will find out next time as I continue my pickpocketing spree and do our best to join the Thieves Guild. Mm -hmm. So yeah, until then, may the road rise up to meet you. Bye. Bye-bye.